I can clearly remember one Good Friday service when listening to a friend bring a Bible reading. They began to weep as they recounted your crucifixion. I remember how strange I found it, how it made me feel like I wasn't quite Christian enough. Because I knew what you went through was horrible. And yet a lifetime of hearing your story had left me desensitized to it. Looking back on it now, I can see how I was surrounded by your love and wonder. And yet I was merely just existing, blissfully ignorant, more like stubbornly absent. I guess that's why it was so easy for me to walk away from you and your home which I'm not sure I've ever said I'm sorry for, for all of those times. No matter how far I walked, you never once made me feel like a bad son. In fact, you loved me more each time I came home. During one of my seasons in the wilderness, anxiety took hold of my mind. It made no sense though. I was easygoing. I was happy. I had nothing to be anxious about, and yet the next 12 months saw me withdraw to a point of almost being housebound. I didn't know it at the time, but despite the fact that I was trying to solve it all on my own, you were there providing me with the sort of professionals that could fix a disorder that had mutated into a phobia. All the while protecting me from the shame and embarrassment of my self-proclaimed weakness. I've never been one to ask things from you, although I'm pretty sure I started a prayer with those exact words. As I drove with tears clouding my vision, I felt a darkness in my heart. The thief filled my mind with the sort of lies so close to truth you can't help but believe. Of course I was the reason it was over. Of course I was the reason she loves someone else. Of course no one noticed I was gone. It was the time I needed you the most and there you were. You showed me through vivid images the kind that in time I would come to know meant that despite the heartbreak and grief that engulfed me that I would find a love unlike any I'd ever felt before. Lately I've been trying to learn more about grace and I know that I'm yet to fully comprehend it. But I know that it was your grace that got me through anxiety. It was your grace that got me through a divorce. And it was your grace that helped me find the man that you knew I was always capable of being. You were there when people told me I had every right to be mad at you, but I couldn't. If you were love, how could this hurt have been from you? You weren't the cause of my pain, you were the answer to my healing. I can picture your smile at the dinner table when those words left my mouth. You knew this was the moment when the cornerstone was finally being laid. It only took me 30 years. It's probably been a decade since that original Good Friday, but now when I think about you there on that cross, I can understand why someone would be hurt and grieving. But it still doesn't fill me with grief. It fills me with hope because I don't deserve that sort of grace and yet you completely think I'm worth it.
My name is Jeffrey, and my wife's name is Diane. Four years ago, you came into our lives and changed it forever. I kneel before your cross to thank you for giving your life in our place so that we could be free of all sins and start a new life as persons in you. I now humbly offer my testimony. For many years, Diane and I have worked as doctors to restore people to health. We have done this in different ways. I have often been selfish, eye-centred and addicted to many earthly things. As parents, we made mistakes. In my case, often forsaking time with my wife and children by selfishly working extreme hours, then pursuing my surfing addiction to recharge my batteries. I could easily justify this and many other things in the name of self-preservation. I had an important job to do to help others, but deep down it was just feeding my sinful addictions of self-centeredness. I lost my first wife due to these addictions. Stubbornly, I continued on this self-centered journey, but now I was feeling all, even more self-pity, more woundedness, and becoming more selfish and more sinful. Because of this persistent attitude, I nearly lost my second wife, Diane. However, her love persisted despite me. Prior to this, and for many years, my youngest son was gradually becoming lost. Eventually, because of his addictions, he ended up losing everything. Alone and desperate, he sought help and came to the Duralong Transformation Centre. On Wednesday evenings, I attended chapel to be with him. During this time, I saw for myself how you, Lord Jesus, gradually transformed and led my son and many others to salvation. One Sunday evening, my son travelled from Duralong to Newcastle Corps Chapel, where he met with Di and I. We also met a man and his wife. We knew the man, Ian, when we had worked with him at John Hutter Hospital Rehabilitation Unit. He introduced us to his wife, Pam, we introduced them to our son and there was this amazing, miraculous, instant connection between Ian and our son. At the same time, we were just overwhelmed by Pam's joyful being, her love and her grace. We learned that they were leaders of a church called North Lake Selvos. During the service at Newcastle Corps, Di was deeply moved when she observed an elderly Salvation Army woman officer sit beside an unkempt, agitated young man, greatly troubled by many demons of addiction. Di noted the presence of this elderly woman, how it calmed him. One Wednesday night after chapel, my son described how he had that week experienced strange bodily sensations and deep feelings of joy. At the time, I didn't know what he was describing, but I now understand it was the Holy Spirit coming to work within him. 
Shortly after all these coincidences, Di and I decided to give North Lakes a crack. That decision led to a gradual awakening within us of who you, Christ Jesus, really are. Our youngest son was baptised in 2013. Di and I followed in 2014. Since that time, Di and I have been on the most incredibly wonderful journey of our lives. We have seen for ourselves, Lord Jesus, your love and your power, how you work for all persons, making them right by God. We have witnessed for ourselves how belief in you leads to supernatural miracles, both physical and spiritual. By God's grace, by your sacrifice and the power of the Holy Spirit, Di and I are now undertaking a journey of transformation so as to become what God made us to be at the beginning and to do the things that God made us for according to the book. Lord Jesus, we believe in you. We love you. We just thank you for the grace and the love you have shown us, our youngest son and others within our families. Thank you, perfect, loving Christ Jesus, for coming from heaven to earth as a vulnerable man, then on the cross, simultaneously taking both the full wrath of God and the full love of God, so that we as believers could be set free by no longer being seen by God as sinners. God, what stuns me as I have prepared this for you is the strikingly obvious contrast between my confusing mess and your brilliance. An arresting example of a life once lived without you and a new life lived in you. I used to hate my story. Be ashamed that it belonged to me. But God, with a joy that is bursting, I think I get it. I have this story to shine your name brightly, to share and to show the beautiful goodness of you, that your saving grace so profound could heal my heart, save my soul, and restore the hopelessness that was me. God, from an early age, I grew up thinking the reason I had no dad was me. A weave of possibilities that I convinced myself of. I was one baby too much, a child unlovable, too much of a burden for him to stick around. Darling girl, it was never you. But that belief was so resounding, developed into people-pleasing ways, a bid to constantly seek approval for fear of feeling that unwantedness, not needed. And suddenly there I was, a highly impressionable child, just desperate to belong. Through my teenage years, you saw every salty tear that would splash its way down my face, etchings of the emptiness I couldn't run from on the inside. You tenderly reached out to be my comfort, yet I pushed your hand away. No, thank you, God. Before long, the emptiness hollowed me. I felt like I didn't even fit myself. I denied my body of food, and soon nothing in my wardrobe fit me either. (laughs) That feeling of constant hunger, it was far better than the torment of everything else inside. You placed loved ones around me to help, 
and who begged me to see the damage I was inflicting. You watched as I fought them all away. All the while, you knew it was not them I was fighting. It was you and your love. Over the years of my 20s, you stood as close as I would allow, which was arm's length at best, always at the back of my mind and bottom of my heart. I wasn't ready to trust you. I leaned on myself to get through life and I was doing just fine. I could stand on my own two feet. Yet I still made decisions the best way I knew how, by pleasing everyone else instead of doing what I knew to be right. The seeds planted as a child in the many Sunday services I spent learning about you suppressed as quickly as they sprouted. In their place, a weedy hostility grew, wrapping its clutches around me. My spirit bore offence to the goodness that I thought I did not deserve. Unlovable, right? Just dirty, damaged goods. What use was that to you? Die, you called me by name. Why won't you let me in? Let me bear this weight that you've been carrying. Time passed and I kept my stalemate towards you. Then on Sunday, the 4th of January, 2015, you gathered your angels and you stood. Huddled, you held your breath. Watching, waiting. A hushed whisper rippled out amongst your hosts. Lord, will she do it? I had exhausted my own strength, which had only led to disappointment and heartbreak. I literally had nowhere to turn except to you. I emerged from my car everything of me in tatters. I walked through the front doors of North Lakes Church, the front door of your family home, and here, God, is where you met me. Your angels descended in an instant to carry me in embrace. God, there in your presence, my soul rested as I let my walls down and you in. I'd never wanted you to see me so ugly and so broken, but it's all you ever wanted. And it's exactly how you took me. I handed over the shards of my heart I'd been holding on to for so long. And you started weaving them back together with your thread of gracious love. My proud father finally found you. I'd searched high and low for the answers but you were the only one I never studied. (laughs) You didn't hold that against me, and there was never a tone of judgment. Just the presence of a father whose delight was found in the return of his child. There was no shame in my mess. Just a beautiful love story of a king and me, his child, so delicately loved. You didn't promise it would be easy, and it's not, but that's okay. I can rest assured on the promises that you are. You are my answer, my great love, my everlasting presence in the feeling of any earthly absence. I love you with every fibre of my being. God, thank you for sending your son. Jesus, thank you for your obedience in that journey to the cross, so that here on my knees my life could be found freely in you. We've been talking around our theme this morning, heart wounds. 
healing heart wounds. And many thousands of years ago, Solomon, the, the one they say, the wisest man in the world, wrote these words. He said, above everything else, guard your heart because out of it flows the issues of life. You know, the Bible speaks about the heart of man more than any other subject. It's the most written about subject in the scriptures. And many years later, the Son of God would stand and we've seen the pictures and we've heard stories about him this morning. But he stood gathered around by a group of Pharisees and one of the teachers of the law said to him, what's the most important thing? Jesus, if you can boil it all down to one thing, what is it that's supreme above everything else? And he said, this is the most important commandment. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength. It's found in Deuteronomy as well. And the second is like this. Love your neighbour as yourself. Amazing. Jesus is saying, when it's all boiled down, when it all comes down to the most important thing in this life, it is love. It is the very thing that we cannot do without our heart. No wonder the enemy knows this. So what does he do? He doesn't attack our physical being that much. His primary tactic is to attack our heart. And we've heard the testimonies this, this morning. We've heard how a young man was attacked with anxiety and fear to take him out of relationship, to take him out of the game. We've heard how another young man was attacked in his heart such that he put up a a defence of self-importance and self-fulfilment. But all along, inside, the heart was wounded. And lastly, Di bravely shared her story. How rejection, the enemy used rejection in her heart to take her out of the game. But I'm so glad Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and He's anointed me. And I've come to bind up the brokenhearted. This morning when you came in, you each received a little red thing. No, that's just my notes. I'm already finished with those. You might wonder what this is. It's actually a heart cut in half. And uh, you received a pen. And what we're going to ask you to do this morning, as I think the band's going to come and sing, What I'd like you to do is I'd like you to sit for a moment as they play and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what is it that the enemy has used to wound your heart and take you out of the game. St. Arrhenius, an old time, uh, 4th century, I believe, father of the church, wrote these words. The glory of God is man fully alive. What is it that the enemy has used to wound your heart to make you less than fully alive. I'd like you to write it down. And when you're ready, just bring it out here and lay it at the cross.